Welcome, I'm Ashley Bullard and this is a podcast for unitedpolitics.uk. So in the last few weeks, the headlines have been talking about knife crime and gun crime in London and that our streets aren't particularly safe, what to do about it and who's to blame. Um, And there's been a bit of a blame game going around between different political parties. I'm joined tonight by three members of United Politics. I'm joined by Liam Martin-Lane, who's a member of the Labour Party. I'm joined by Andrew Baxter, who's Conservative-leaning. And finally, last but certainly not least, Lauren Elizabeth, who is a member of the Labour Party. So I'm going to start with Liam Martin Lane, uh, purely because you live in the London area, just to discuss uh, what do you think uh, is the root cause of these problems? Um, Has there been a spike? And if so, what might have brought that about? And uh, what do you think we can do about it? Um, Liam, what would you like to say? Well, I think gun crime certainly has been a problem, particularly in my borough, where at the start of this year, we saw a spate of burglaries, but also a significant markup in knife attacks as well. There are a number of factors which I believe have led to this rise, but I will go straight to highlighting the elephant in the room, which is that for a city as large, as diverse, as wide ranging in geographical terms, as well as perhaps demographic terms, just over 30,000, 31,000 police officers is frankly not enough to keep our city safe. The reduction in the number of police officers on our street, not just um, police officers who are responsible for the overall running of the police service, but the police officers we see in uniform on the beat. The numbers of those going down, I believe, has been the main contributing factor that has resulted in the increase in uh, knife crime that we see today. Okay, and and who do you blame for that? I mean, the uh, Mayor of London has some responsibility, presumably. You're probably uh, suggesting that national government has responsibility. I mean, where are you laying the blame for this, or are you not laying blame anywhere? Well, the Mayor, ultimately, he is the Police and Crime Commissioner uh, for London, so he does have some responsibility for the running of the of the police force, as does Cresida Dick, who uh, who is the Metropolitan Police Commissioner, also in charge of running the operational side, if you like, of the Metropolitan Police Force. But you can't give great power and great responsibility without giving great resources as well. So I do lay it at national. I do lay it at the door of national government simply for not applying the resources. Now, that said, there are things that representatives at all layers of politics and in all layers of public services can do to try and tackle this issue. So whilst I, in my opinion, would put the majority of the responsibility at the government's door in Westminster, I think all parties and all politicians can come together to try and put a stop to this spike in knife and gun crime. And it's particularly bad in London, but it's not as bad in other cities around the UK, is it? Or am I am I misjudging that? Because, you know, these cuts to police, if you're saying it's a national problem, why are we seeing it more in London than anywhere else? Do you have an opinion on that? I think it's more reported in London simply because of the scale of the crime in terms of numbers that are happening right now. That said, crime has been going up in the rest of the country. Now, that doesn't just have to be uh, homicides. Crime doesn't 
just consist of homicides. Crime also consists of people who are in a who are in possession of a, of an offensive weapon. People who are found to be guilty of drug offences. People who commit antisocial behaviour. And it's not just in London where you see this today. You see this in many other parts of the country where you have individuals who feel that they have nothing else better to do than to then to cause this kind then to cause this kind of trouble so that again leads to my point as to the the need for everybody to be able to work together to find a solution the forefront of which has to be more investment in policing Okay, I'm going to go to um, Andrew next. Uh, Liam certainly seems to be laying the majority of the blame, at least, uh, at the door of national government rather than um, Sadiq Khan, Mayor of London. Would you share that view, Andrew, or or do you have a different view? What would you like to say? Um, I think it's interesting to start with the government's uh, report, their new serious violence report strategy that they've just released, which is lengthy. It's 100 and 11 pages, but it it does outline some of the thoughts and reasoning they have as to how they intend to counter this and why they think it's occurred. So some of the points they raise, for instance, is that that some of the changes in accounting methods for crimes has been part of the increase in knife crime, firearm crime. So that's one thing they raise. They also, although Amber Rudd was mocked for it quite a lot, they raised the point about social media uh, being able to allow gangs to intimidate other gangs and promote gang culture. That's something that's mentioned in this report. They make a wider point about how the criminal justice system does not necessarily have a big impact on crime anyway, and that there are factors outside of the criminal justice system which it cause crimes increase outside of their control. And to deal with all of that, they have this £40 million programme that's now being announced, which comes out of existing budgets. So it's not new money, which has a whole multitude of sort of uh, ideas being put forward here to deal with it. But I think some of their explanations are quite interesting. And some of the points about accounting methods is definitely an interesting point that probably isn't explored a lot in general press coverage. But also the point about stop and search is interesting because stop and search has been declining uh, a lot now for the last four or five years, which has coincided with this increase in gun and knife crime. So there's an interesting point there as as to whether stop and search actually was an effective way to deal with that and has consequently led to an increase as it's been dispensed with more and more because it's seen as uh, being a very discriminatory policy. So I think there's a lot of interesting things there, and I would hesitate to draw into one particular cause. I think it's multiple causes coming together at one time here. We've got police cuts, we've got stop and search declining, we have some of the points about wider factors outside of the criminal justice system, but I do think the government's to blame a lot for the police cuts that been raised already. So I mean you talk about the stop and search uh, situation there I mean I know you don't want to drill down on any one area uh, too much but um, do you think that stop and search was effective or or do you not have a have an opinion on that? I think it's tricky to be entirely sure because it's, it's again it's one of the problems with crime being caused by so many factors and it raises the point in this government document that there are other times when stop and search has been um, less used when crime has decreased rather than increased. And the same with police numbers. When we've had very high police 
numbers and crime has still been going up. So it's tricky to be entirely sure and the evidence doesn't really necessarily confirm us one way or another. But I would argue based on the history that I think it probably is on the whole useful when it's used correctly and when the community is on side with it rather than being used as a policy which is seen as discriminatory and sort of um, creates bad relations with the local community and wherever, wherever the area might be which arguably it has done in the past. It's a bit of an awkward one, isn't it? Because uh, Theresa May is, of course, uh, pretty socially liberal. And uh, she was the Home Secretary at the time that although stop and search laws didn't actually change, it was under her uh, tenure in office as Home Secretary that uh, stop and search was uh, positively reduced because of the impacts it had upon some uh, minorities, uh, black people especially, they seem to be targeted overly more than, uh, say, white um, uh, possible suspects so um yeah it's, it's a bit of an awkward one and i have heard that the the redu- reduction in the stop and search has also coincided with this rise in crime so it'll be interesting to see what people make of that whether there is a connection or it just happens to be a coincidence you also mentioned social media though social media though surely i mean everywhere has social media pretty much in the western world at least um most places in the in the world but certainly in the west so if it was to do with social media you'd see the same sort of rises surely in New York or everywhere else. And of course, New York is actually at the moment a shining example of a a very peaceful city in compared to the recent crime in London, uh, right? So, I mean, how how do you square that? I mean, social media, you said it was cited by the Prime Minister as as one of the causes. Is this because she's already keen to look at some of the uh, regulations surrounding those platforms? Or or do you think that there's a real point there, Andrew? I mean, how do you view that? I mean, I have to say, I think that's on the whole one of the weaker points they make in this report. I mean, if you read it on the whole, basically a lot of it's saying, broadly speaking, this isn't our fault. The increases in recorded crime isn't due to anything we've done. It's due to new accounting methods. So it's not actually an increase in crime. It's just an increase in recorded crime. Uh, they don't mention cuts in police numbers at all. That isn't even mentioned. And I think that's an extremely important point. Mm. That is the fault of this government that they have not mentioned in this report at all. And obviously, stop and search, they try and avoid saying is a particularly useful policy, probably for the reasons you've already said in terms of community relations. So to read it on the whole, a lot of it is them trying to say it's stuff that isn't under our control and just don't mention the things that have come up in the news, like cutting police numbers as being a possible cause even when the Home Office's own research admits that cutting police numbers has probably had an impact, which Amber Rudd said she had never seen that research, even though it was leaked (laughs) very publicly. Yes, quite. Um, Okay, I'm going to go to uh, Lauren Elizabeth next. Um, You've been very patiently waiting, so thanks very much, Lauren, for that. What would you like to say on the rising violent crime in London? Um, I'd like to say, first of all, I'm pretty disappointed in the government and both um, the Mayor of London, uh, the way they've handled it, they've used a lot of, they've used it essentially as a political football to point score with one another. And I think there's people dying on our streets and we need to be taking a holistic approach to it. Um, It's a multifaceted problem. Uh, There are kids as young as 12 carrying knives in our schools. It can't just be down to the police. It can't just be down to social media. We need to look at it as a widely scoping issue. David Lammy said about um, organised crime being on the rise, which could probably contribute. So the drug trade, issues like that. Again, that's a very valid point. But and I would argue, okay, some of it isn't down to the Tory cuts because it's been happening under it happened under Ken Livingston. I think this is the highest rate since 2005, I believe. So it's not 
you know, it's not a party political issue. They should all be drawing together. They should all be working together to sort this out. We need more social workers. We need more youth workers involved. It can't just be a criminal justice approach. It needs to be, you know, uh, people from every discipline involved. Were you surprised by the response of the Mayor of London? Because um, he was interviewed recently on a very well-known chat show, uh, or radio show, and um, he hadn't met any of the families involved. He hadn't really been seen out on the streets doing anything um, after the last few weeks where there has unfortunately been more deaths um, caused by violent crime. Uh, and when it were asked about it, he said, well, he didn't really need to be because his deputies had been taking care of that. So it wasn't really anything that he needed to be concerned about. And then said that's a, a cheap party political point and then made some party political points against his opponents and in, uh, in the Conservative Party. I mean, do you, would you expect the mayor to be a bit more hands-on uh, in a situation like this, or do, do you think he's been okay? Uh, absolutely, I'd expect him to be far more hands-on. Um, I'd also expect him to lead by example. I'd expect him to keep himself to the same standards he asks of from the Conservative Party. It's quite simple. You know, after the Grenfell tragedy, he was criticising the Prime Minister. He's criticised people for not going out and meeting the, the victims' families, the people that lived in that tower. But he's doing exactly the same thing. He's just delegating it. And it should be his main priority. It's almost a crisis at this point. I'm quite disappointed in his reaction to it. OK. I mean, on one hand, we're saying that um, the, the political parties are all sort of point scoring and using this as a political football, which we all think is a bad idea and, and not particularly pleasant when it's such a serious issue as it is. What do we think are the solutions? I mean, some some people have touched on uh, the sort of uh, more policing. I think, Liam, you said that and you're the first person to... To, to speak tonight um, that's been echoed by everybody else as well um, and also some other structures like social care and, and, and other sort of community support groups um, is there any one solution is there anything that we're doing particularly wrong at the moment because we didn't have this problem uh, to the same extent say a decade ago or 15 years ago um, what has changed is it essentially cuts uh, is it essentially that there's been some sort of social um, development that we're not really keeping up with? I mean, what do we think is the, the main cause? Is it really only about cuts and austerity or is there something else at play? And, and how do we think we can solve it? I'm going to go to, I'm going to sort of scramble up the, 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 the course of people I go to. I'm going to go to Andrew first on that one. Um, what do you think the solutions might be? We, we sort of touched upon what might be some of the problems. Um, is it just literally more money, more funding, or are there sort of a, a smart way we can do things to sort of reach out? Uh, what do you think, Andrew? I think that's a big part of it. I mean, it's a part of the whole, a wider attack on the criminal justice system, not just policing, that the government has done, and the coalition did rather, since 2010. And they can't get away from that. The fact that they don't mention it in this report is quite telling. They don't really want to address that factor, but that's the factor that's most under their control that they could really do something about in the immediate term. And it's the thing they don't want to do. So that's the thing I think is extremely important right now. Then you've got to look at longer term issues. And that's where some of the other causes that they mentioned in their reports come into play and how we deal with some of those things. However arguable the point is, the point about social media, how you then go on to deal with that, uh, the point about factors that are outside of their control, outside of the justice system, what how stop and search factors into it as well. Those are all things I'll have to try and figure out. And my overall impression is it's sort of been a, a time when all of these factors have come together, where you've had cuts, you've had reduced stop and search for the reasons we've already said. You've had the influence of social media and the way that they argue. Um, you've had trends in drug markets. They also talk about that. 
So all of these things, I think, have just come together in the last five to 10 years. And that's been really what's driven this. So So there's not one cause, one uh, solution, rather. Okay, I mean, most of these things are fairly sort of national uh, things. Um, So, you know, national government can have a control over. Um, On a more local level, though, uh, is there things that local councils can do? I mean, should government, for example, say that this is the sort of funding you're going to get and it's going to be ring-fenced for these particular projects, these particular community uh, issues, whatever they might be, because obviously every borough of London is different. Uh, London is very different from other parts of the country as well, uh, I would suggest. Um, should we be looking at this on a local level as well? So national government perhaps supports some of these initiatives, but it's ring-fenced, so it has to be spent on certain things. So the councils can't then spend it on, I don't know, something completely different, I'll give examples, but other, other things that do not do not tackle these issues, do not tackle potential, I don't know, inequalities, or it could just be, you know, possessions of different things, or community groups, things like that, so the, so the young people have somewhere to go in the evenings that is actually more productive than just hanging out on the streets. Um, what do you think about that? Can there be a local solution to this as well as a national one? I think that's definitely a key part, but I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, I focus more on the national part of this because... It's the part that I'm clearer about and what I've looked at and what I understand. And I think if you're going into the very local side of it, I wouldn't claim to really uh, have necessarily enough knowledge to say what exactly local solutions would be to this. Okay. Um, so I, I would probably back away from that and just say I don't necessarily know enough. No, that's a fair point. I, w- I wish more people would do that. They don't understand a certain area or they're not so clued up on a certain area to, rather than just commenting for the sake of commenting. Okay, um, Lauren, what would you think is the solution to this? We've, we've discussed a bit of the problems. Um, where do you think things can be improved that would hopefully turn back the tide of violent crime in London? I think the austerity cuts have to take some blame, um, not just in the criminal justice system, the mental health system, you know, youth groups being shut down. People don't have role models um, in a lot of cases other than maybe older people in gangs. So it's going to be playing a part on why younger kids might choose to carry a weapon because they don't see anyone else in a positive light. So they, it's not, I don't want to use the word grooming, but kids are groomed into gangs in some cases. But I don't, I think it is a multifaceted issue. It's not something there's going to be a one size fits all approach to because it can be quite localised. So each area has its own issues to solve some might be more to do with the drug trade some might be to do with lack of meaningful activity for young people to do in the evenings so they get involved in um gang crime so like andrew said it's not there's not one thing i think there's lots of things to take into consideration both at a national and a local level okay i'm going to go to liam uh, last but definitely not least well first of all you mentioned uh, cuts on austerity uh, and as I say, that is the elephant in the room. So any action which is taken as a result of the report that has come out recently won't have much positive effect without the resources being there to implement those recommendations and to take forward those strategies. So cuts to the police, cuts to youth services and local health services need to be the, the the tide of that needs to be halted if we if this strategy to tackle this increase in crime is going to have any effect at all but as i said the austerity is the elephant in the room but reversing that so reversing that austerity isn't going to completely solve the problem i want to pick up on the social media point as i think you're quite right ashley in your comment that well 
there is social media worldwide and other cities don't experience this problem right now. And that is true. What social media has done in London is increased the time scale, if that phrase makes sense, as to as to how things can escalate. You can have a disagreement or a bust up with someone on social media and it suddenly translates into a physical fight very, very quickly on social media. So that there, there needs to be strategies taken to to confront that. At the same time, I would say idle hands do the devil's work. So there needs to be more things for young people to do. And when it comes to stop and search, I say this as someone who is non-white. Stop and search, I can understand, is controversial because of past experiences of the Metropolitan Police that have had when dealing with notable cases. They have had to implement measures within their own ranks in order to ensure their policing with the consent of the community in London, which is very, very diverse today. But I say this as someone who's not white. I would rather have a police officer's hand on my back to check that I'm not carrying anything instead of a knife through my back Mm. held by somebody who should have been stopped. And if it ultimately comes to that situation, I hope it certainly doesn't. I hope the holistic approach that worked so well in Glasgow last decade will work so well in London this time. But if it comes to that, the police has to put the safety of Londoners first. They have to be able to do their job first. And actually, it's the reason why I would defend the mayor on two things. Number one, he's brought together people from different parties this week in a meeting at City Hall to discuss how we can work across parties to tackle this issue, something that Lauren has said we um, we need so badly right now. Yeah. But number two, he has said that the police should be confident to use intelligence-led stop and search in areas where they feel it's appropriate. Because for me, the right to life and the right to liberty, the right for me to walk around in London, in central London, in my local area, without fear of anybody coming up and harming me with an offensive weapon that the police should have taken off them, that has to come first. But it has to be properly applied. I mean, it can't be racial profiling. It can't be discriminatory just on the basis of the colour of someone's skin. It has to be has to be measured. It has to have some sort of logic behind it. And as you say, there has to have some sort of intelligence-led um, sort of strategy to it. And I think that's the concern a lot of people have with Stop a Search, isn't it? That is very true. And that's the reason why all of the measures that not just I have put forward, but also Andrew and Lauren have put forward today, None of them will work in a vacuum. They all need to work within each other. I actually think if these stop and search powers were to be used an awful lot more, it wouldn't draw as much controversy if we were to give young people, and particularly young people in areas such as Tottenham, such as Brixton, such as Hackney, such as Walthamstow, such as Newham, if we were to give those youngsters the services that can help them regain or gain some element of self-confidence, some element of self-worth and have role models in these areas that treat them fairly and can give them economic and social opportunity, then actually they, I don't think they would regard the use of stop and search with that much cynicism anymore. 
for me, stop and search right now today is the symbol of uh, what young people today think, which is a police force that doesn't care about them, that doesn't take account of their point of view, that doesn't in their eyes represent them. It's just a symbol of it today. If you change that culture by giving young people that self-confidence and that self-worth back, then actually they would then view the use of stop and search as just considerate police officers doing their job in the best interests of the perpetrator. I mean, if you're carrying an offensive weapon, you're so much more likely to be harmed yourself. So none of the... None of the um, suggestions that the panellists have put forward today will work in a vacuum. There needs to be a holistic approach. Stop and search, it being intelligence-led and properly targeted, needs to be a part of that. But ultimately, it is through the police, youth workers, politicians, locally and nationally, and others, realising the potential of young people today and giving them things to do, giving them opportunities so that they do not turn to this cycle of crime. I think one of the most powerful things you've said um, is actual fact that uh, you'd rather have a a hand on your shoulder rather than a knife through your back. I mean, maybe that should be a a poster campaign, an actual fact, because actually what is worse? Um, I, I think that's a very, very valid point. I want to pick up on the social media point that you mentioned. You said that in London... Uh, an argument on social media can escalate very quickly until uh, it's a social media fight. Surely that can happen anywhere, though, can't it? It's not just London that that happens. It It can happen in any city, any town, anywhere in the world. It can happen in any city, any town, anywhere in the world. I think it is, again, though, fueled from other areas. Social media today is very much a means to an end. You can have any objective in your mind, whether it's to set up a business, influence an election or to try and take out a rival gang member. Social media is an increasingly effective means to that end today. Um, So I think in that respect, the fact that it has that opportunity available in other cities, yes, okay, but for people responsible for safety in this country and in this city, it's something that they can't ignore. It's something that they can't just rush over and say, well, it happens in other places and they don't have that problem, so it shouldn't be a problem here. They're right, it shouldn't be a problem here, but the fact of the matter is it is. And because it is a problem here, lawmakers, policymakers can't afford to ignore it. Thanks to Liam, Andrew and Lauren. And if you've enjoyed today's cross-party political podcast, don't forget you could subscribe to United Politics on both SoundCloud and iTunes. It's free and we'd love to have your company. <laughs>